Welcome back to My Take, a podcast that discusses current events in nutrition, the business side of the health and fitness industry, and a little bit of everything in between. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the Non-Biohacker's Guide to Longer Living, the truth about avatars in business, why perspective really matters, getting to practice patience, and why fortune favors the prepared. Let's get into the show. All right, diving in to the nutrition insights today, uh, we're talking about the non-biohacker's guide to living longer through nutrition. And this kind of uh, comes from an article that I wrote in a Facebook post that I made, sorry, an an Instagram post that I made. I think it went to Facebook too. Um, But this is really just centers around the idea of what can we actually do to live longer? That's kind of an antithesis to you know, really the the kind of movement that occurred in, you know, the, the 2010s, maybe into the early 2020s about biohacking. Um, you know, a lot of people came on the scene about like, can we hack our bodies to, to living better longer? Like there was the bulletproof coffee phase. There was all these crazy supplements that people were taking. There was like, you know, uh, red light therapy. There was just all sorts of stuff going on that people were trying to hack their way to living longer. Um, and some of those interventions may end up showing promise and may work. But I wanted to talk about the things that we actually know about the food that we consume uh, and health and really just thinking about how you actually, one, think about that and two, things you can do to live longer. So, you know, we know that food has an effect on health, right? But it isn't always like 100% straightforward. And we know it always isn't like one-to-one, right? If you think about it, I bet you know somebody who has had a perfect diet, put that in air quotes, and they still develop things like cancer, heart disease, whatever, um, and they die young. And then you probably know people who have horrible diets and they live to be 100 and relatively healthy, right? I think a couple of years ago, I saw an article of some woman who lived to be like 115. Her secret to longevity was I ate a bunch of bacon and smoked a bunch of cigarettes, kind of like you know, a little bit of, you know, tongue in cheek of sometimes lifestyle doesn't directly affect longevity, right? And it isn't always one for one. But when you think about it, you really have to understand the concept of of risk, right? And understanding the role that food has with risk. So it's not absolutes, right? It's not like, hey, if I eat this apple, I will keep the doctor away, right? It's more of what are the things that can increase or decrease the probability or likelihood of something happening, right? And so kind of from that perspective, let's talk about some of the very well-known aspects of food and their relation to disease. And this is going to be a little bit of a a survey course here, so to speak, a little bit high level. Um, We won't go too far into the weeds, but just wanted to give you guys some ideas of what we actually know from the nutrition literature that actually affects risk in a meaningful way. So the first is calorie balance, right? We know that being in a state of kind of positive energy slash calorie balance for extended periods of time is the single biggest risk factor related to food and health, right? So if you are in a calorie surplus, a positive calorie energy balance for years or decades at a time, you increase BMI, you increase body um, adiposity, and all of those increase your risk of, you know, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, uh, many forms of cancer, like 
the you know, neurocognitive decline, all of those things. So kind of the biggest thing we can do is make sure that we stay in calorie balance for years or decades at a time. That's the best way to lower risk. The second one is fruit and vegetable intake. So second to calorie balance, consuming higher amounts of fruit and vegetables is probably the the second biggest finding, consistent finding in the nutrition literature as a way to lower the risk of most chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, etc. Um, so we know that higher intakes of fruits and vegetables are inversely associated with risks of all those things. Now, people can make the argument of, hey, that's just kind of reflective of a general healthy lifestyle, and that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, but consuming fruits and vegetables is a way to lower risk, which for me causes a little bit of concern when we think about kind of the the profligation and kind of popularity that we've seen in kind of the anti-plant movement of like the carnivore diet specifically of like, hey, you know, plants have all these toxins and they're bad for you. It's like, well, there's some truth to some plants have compounds that in sufficient quantities may cause issues. But in totality of the literature and in a broader perspective, consuming nutrient-dense, fiber-dense fruits and vegetables is actually one of the best ways to lower overall risk. Um, The third one is moderate to high protein intake, right? For otherwise already healthy-ish people, protein intakes of about 0.7 to 0.1 grams per pound, you know, tends to reduce the risk of many diseases primarily by helping you control total calorie intake and helping preserve lean mass when you're in periods of calorie deficits to manage weight. Um, So that means, one, it helps you maintain calorie balance. Two, if you're in a state where you're losing weight, it helps you preserve your lean mass, which really kind of helps you maintain your metabolic sink, quality of life as you age, you know, over, over the lifetime of you know, risk accumulation, it helps lower that. And then the second piece to that is, you know, try to make those protein sources from non-processed meats. Um, So like deli meat, sausages, those things are not as high quality. Um, And also try to get some from fish and try to get some of your protein from plants too, right? The amino acid profiles in plants is a little bit different. The other nutrients you get with plants is a little different. So try to mix those protein sources. Um, Number four is moderate carbohydrate diets. When you actually look at both observational data and interventional data, diets with moderate carbohydrate intakes are associated with greater longevity and better for longer-term health than very low-carb diets or very high-carb diets. There's a ton of reasons for this, um, but the data is pretty clear that the best way to lower risk from a carbohydrate intake perspective is to keep it in kind of the moderate intake, right? That 30 to 50-ish percent of calories. Make sure it's from, um, you know, as much of that is from non-processed food sources, right? Fiber-rich, um, polysaccharide-rich, right? Like starches, things like that, fruits, vegetables, um, you know, roots, tubers, rices, things like that um, are the best sources of those for the from the longevity perspective. This kind of bleeds into number five, which is limit processed foods. Right, You don't have to completely omit processed foods, 
but limiting them limiting them in your diet helps you control your calories better. It limits exposures to things like trans fats and overall lowers your risk for many chronic diseases. So just minimizing processed food intake. And then the last one is take a multivitamin. So this is one of those things that I sort of view like a very inexpensive insurance policy, right? The human body is is less effective when it's low or missing key nutrients. And so a lot of people are often getting kind of insufficient, maybe not all the way deficient, but insufficient amounts of all of the nutrients in a single day, right? Most of us don't eat a perfectly balanced diet every day or every week. Sometimes we're on the road. Sometimes we just have what we have in the house and we just kind of rely on those things. And we're often getting insufficient amount of all of the nutrients in a day. It's just kind of the world we live in. So taking a, you know, couple cent high quality, a a couple cent a day high quality vitamin makes a lot of sense and they're easy for, for most people to consume. So that's your that's your anti-biohacker's guide to living longer through nutrition in six simple steps. Take a quick break and we'll come back for the business insight. All right, diving straight into the business insights. Today we're talking about the truth about avatars. And this is kind of a concept of of how we think about clients and most business courses, books, podcasts, or training programs kind of teach you about the concept of, of avatars. And most advice around this is kind of geared around the idea of your ideal customer in mind, right? You're often told to describe a very specific person kind of by their age, sex slash gender, job, physical location, income level, hobbies, kind of other details about that person. Uh, and I remember one kind of business development course that I took. You know, somebody was like, hey, you should be able to describe the avatar of your client better than you should be able to describe your wife. Like that was kind of the the gist that they got. And they were kind of talking about, you know, these characteristics. And that's, you know, definitely one way to be more specific about your customer and kind of help you hone in on that. But I think there's another way to kind of build your avatar that can actually be far more effective, right? And this involves creating an avatar around the problems you're solving, not the descriptions of the person. And from this perspective, you're kind of building your avatar of your ideal customer based on matching the problem sets they have with a business service or product and not the details on the driver's license and tax return, right? So let's kind of work through this in detail, right? Think about the business you're building and then get as detailed and descriptive with your problem set that you're solving, you know, as you would with the description of your ideal client, right? So instead of going like as specific as we can with age, hair color, eye color, where they live, what their hobbies are, like, get as specific as you can about their problems, right? So here's like maybe an example of problems I could list, you know, in kind of a fitness and nutrition business coaching, right? So let's say it's a nutrition coaching business. The core problem is people are unhappy with their lives and their bodies, and they think weight loss and nutrition will help kind of change their happiness level 
get them the body that they want and fundamentally kind of change their outlook on life. That's their core problem. And their sub-problems are, you know, they don't know what to eat to lose weight sustainably. Problem two might be they don't know how to navigate nutrition in their busy lives while they're traveling. Problem three is they don't know how to make their own goals fit with the nutrition needs of their family and kids. Problem four, you know, maybe they don't know how to sustain their habits. Problem five is they're forgetful with their busy life and they need accountability. And problem six is maybe they have no one to talk to slash confide in the struggles they have around kind of their diet and their emotional relationship with food and their body. And you can kind of just like even get more specific with these problems. And then you build the solutions for your product slash service around that. And then you build kind of your marketing around it, right? And so taking this approach is more valuable and more effective than kind of the other approach to building your avatar for two main reasons. One is you identify the real reasons that people will buy your service, right? People don't buy your service because they happen to be in the age range with a specific job and live in the right city. They buy your service because they're trying to solve your service or product because they're trying to solve a problem in their life. And oddly, that avatar you built of age, job, what city they live in actually kind of helps narrows down the problems those people might have. So you're just speaking to it more directly, right? And so when you identify the problem you're solving and all the sub-problems, it helps you identify the reasons people will actually buy your product. So this really makes it a more effective way to build an avatar. Um, You're identifying the core features of your product or service And it also helps you kind of, the second piece of this is it helps you build a compelling offer for advertising and marketing your service, right? Not only have you identified what your service or product needs to be, but now you've identified how do I sell it, right? Because I've identified the solutions that I'm selling to people. And when you think about, you know, when you sell to customers, you don't sell features, right? You sell solutions to their problems, Like, I think about, you know, the last service I paid for, like even the most basic service in my life. Um, Like, let's say I hired a landscape company because I needed the grass cut, right? I didn't care that they used a specific mower or they edged my grass with some cutting edge technique. Like, I just really, those things I don't care about. What I care about is what's my problem. I need my grass cut and my own lawnmower is dead and I don't want to, I don't have the time to go run it somewhere and get it serviced. So I just need someone to cut the grass, right? So I just need somebody to do it. And think about selling your services the same way, right? If you're a personal trainer, you aren't selling your cutting-edge program. You're selling a new body, confidence, health, more energy, more sex appeal, etc. So as you think about building the avatar of who might buy your service or your product or your kind of formatting or growing your business, build the problem avatar not the demographic avatar. So that's the business insight. We'll take one more quick break. We'll come back for the final segment of the show. Jumping into the last segment of the show. Uh, What am I learning today? The long game is the long game, and it's never the short game. And this is one of those perspectives that 
I always have to remind myself of, and it's very easy to lose that perspective in the day-to-day of everything you're doing. And you always have to remind yourself, it's the long game, it's the long game, it's the long game. And I think about this quite frequently. You know, when I do podcasts, I don't get paid for podcasts. I don't know if this brings in clients for Macros Inc. Like, I track the downloads. I probably know how many clients we've got. Um, is it the best leverage ROI? Like the, the two hours per episode that I spend between the research and the recording and the production and all that stuff. Am I getting the amount of value I could charge per hour for other things? Probably not. Um, same thing goes with writing blogs and, you know, posting stuff on Instagram and all those things. When I think about like the relative short-term ROI of, Hey, I could probably go do some contract work or I could work on the fundamentals of the business that we have, or I could go do a speaking engagement or I could do all these things that probably pay me more per hour. But the long game is the long game and it's never the short game. And you always have to think about what do I do that compounds over time in terms of, you know, brand awareness for the business, you know, becoming an industry leader giving value to the community, like all of those things, the 30, 40, 50, 60 year arc. And how do you keep that perspective on the days where you just like sometimes don't want to do it? And so I always have to remind myself the long game is the long game and it's never the short game. Um, So the daily win, uh, my daily win was getting to practice patience. So this is a story of the weekend. Um, like most other places around the country this weekend, we got really cold temperatures. Uh, we've got a, a small cabin up in North Idaho. And over the weekend, it was like lows of minus 17 and highs of like highs of zero. Um, so we went up there late Thursday because um, we got a ton of snow on Wednesday, Thursday of last week. And then it was supposed to freeze. So I needed to like plow, shovel, take care of the driveway so we didn't have 18 inches of snow like frozen in place on the driveway. So we got up there, took several hours, took care of all that. Um, We're up there Friday. We're planning on coming back Saturday because I had a bunch of work I needed to do um, Sunday and Monday. And Saturday, the the furnace went out. Um, Not And not one of those problems where you can kind of fix it yourself. I went in there and basically we've discovered that the the motor that spins the fan um, died and needed to be replaced. So this is, you know, Saturday afternoon on the coldest weekend of the year. Obviously, everybody's way too busy to make it out to the middle of nowhere, Idaho, to fix this. So the short version of a very long story is <clears throat> I ended up having to stay there Saturday night, Sunday night, and all day Monday until about 10.30 p.m. to get an HVAC guy out there with the right parts to get it fixed. I mean, I had to stay there because I had to keep the fireplace running and I had to get space heaters to keep the pipes from freezing. And it was literally as cold in the house uh, from the hours of 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. as my refrigerator. And during the rest of the hours when it was a little bit warmer outside and there was some sunlight coming in through the windows, it was in like, you know, the high 40s. So I was basically there for about two and a half, three days in freezing cold temperatures, trying to work from there, um, basically sitting right in front of a space heater for three days, just working and and waiting for somebody to show up to fix it. And, you know, it was a good good time for me to just kind of practice the patience of like, 
This is the process. This is a part of life. These things happen. Control what you can control. Just continue to work from there. Deal with what deal with things as they come. Um, it was just it was interesting. And while this was happening, you know, I was thinking of this quote um, that I heard a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was months ago, but it was like if you think about all the characteristics you would want in yourself as a person, right? If you were if you're playing a video game and you had like let's say you were playing NBA 2K. I'm just going to use a basketball reference. And I wanted you know, shooting of 100 passing of 100, defense of 95, like all of those things. Now let's translate that to real life, right? Like what are the things that I want? I want I want patience. I want resilience. I want emotional control. I want um, you know, graciousness. I want like all these personal characteristics of how do you get those? Well, they have to be built and they have to be practiced, right? You don't just wake up the most patient person. You don't wake up the most gracious person. You don't wake up the most resilient person. Is To be patient, you have to practice it. To be resilient, you have to have hard things happen so you can demonstrate resiliency. And so I started to have this perspective of like, hey, this is a great opportunity to practice patience and to practice humility and to be like, hey, Let's be grateful for the fact that 99% of your life you have a warm house you get to live in. 99% of the time, your schedule goes exactly how you think it's going to go every day. 99% of the time, you get to focus on doing work that matters and moving your life forward and not just solving these acute problems. And so kind of my daily win um, was really just getting to practice that uh, kind of personal trait that I find important and really getting to kind of hone that um, what was good. And that brings me to the daily learning lesson. Fortune favors the prepared. I think the full quote is maybe fortune favors the prepared mind or prepared body or whatever it is. But fortune definitely favors the prepared. And so I was thinking about the situation of like, hey, I probably should have had some like emergency supply kits of like, I should probably should have already had some space heaters. I probably should have already had X, Y, and Z if I know I live in a, you know, a cold climate. I probably should have some insulation for pipes for when it gets that cold. I should probably have like all these things. And it's just started to make me think like, am I as prepared as I need to be for a lot of things that could happen? And it's like fairly minor things that you need to do to prepare. I'm not talking like end of the world preparation where I need like seven years of uh, food or fish antibiotics. Um, Fish antibiotics is a joke because you can get antibiotics from like for fish in very high quantities um, and they can be used for humans. I do not recommend that. Somebody told me that or I read that on like a prepper website somewhere and I thought it was hilarious. Um, But it just kind of like, Try to be prepared for things that could happen outside the normal. Um, and that includes situations like that. It includes business. Like, hey, are you prepared for Facebook changing their marketing algorithm, for Google changing their search algorithm? Are you prepared for uh, business shutdowns? Are you prepared for quickly changing interest rate cycles? Like all of these things that you think about um, Are you actually prepared for them? And so the daily learning lesson is like fortune favors the prepared. Maybe do a little more work in your life to be prepared for those things. So that's it for the show. Uh, Sorry this is a day late. You now know why it is a day late uh, because I didn't get home until about 10, 1030 last night um, from the 
refrigeration catastrophe. I'm calling it refrigeration because it was as cold as my fridge. So uh, I will see you guys here in a couple days on the pod. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, please share. If you have not rated us, rate us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. That's it. I'm Dr. Brad. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later.